Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, what he called the Gospel or Good News about the Kingdom of God. We're glad you joined us again for another session of Scripture Searching. We're trying to get at the bottom of what Jesus was teaching as he went about Galilee some 2,000 years ago, announcing the good news or gospel of the kingdom. You'll find in all four of our gospel records of the teaching of Jesus that the kingdom of God was absolutely central. Each gospel writer presents it as a programmatic summary of the whole of the faith of Jesus, the faith that he taught, the saving faith that he brought from God his Father. The gospel of the kingdom of God is virtually a synonym for the Christian faith. It's another way of saying Christianity. And so it's most essential for us who are Christians to understand what is meant by the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God is another way of speaking of Christianity, the degree to which we understand the term kingdom will be the degree to which we understand the Christian faith itself. Now, the gospel of the kingdom is both the actual message as it came from the lips of Jesus and was continued in the ministry of the apostles, and it's also the story of the facts told about Jesus after his death and resurrection. Now, we believe that's the most important concept to get hold of. At the risk of being called repetitious, may I make that statement again, because it's helped me enormously in my own Bible study. The gospel is two things. It's both the actual message as it came from Jesus himself, and was continued in the ministry of the apostles, and it's also the story of the facts told about Jesus after his death and resurrection. You see, many people think of the gospel as simply the fact that Jesus died for their sins and rose again, but that overlooks a major section of our New Testament. It's an absolute fact that Jesus preached the gospel long before he died and rose from the dead. In fact, he preached the gospel of the kingdom and he sent his disciples out to preach that same gospel of the kingdom before he even told them he was going to die, much less that he was going to be raised from the dead. So you see, it really is to cut the gospel in half if you reduce it to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact is it's the kingdom of God which is the fundamental idea underlying the gospel at all stages of its development. Now obviously the gospel message did add to itself facts which were not there at the beginning. It's obvious that Jesus didn't die at the beginning of his ministry. He didn't rise from the dead at the beginning of his ministry. And yet he did preach the gospel. He preached the gospel about the kingdom of God. And so in Acts 8.12 we find a marvelously illuminating text which puts all of this matter about the gospel together for us. In Acts 8.12 we read this, When they believed Philip, as he was proclaiming the good news or gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were getting baptized, both men and women. Now, why is that such a very, very valuable text for our study of the gospel message? Well, it's almost like an early creed. Luke there, in that wonderful summary, in that shorthand description, if you like, of what the evangelists were doing at that time in the Christian ministry, Luke tells us that when both men and women believed the good news of the kingdom of God, as Philip preached it to them, and the name of Jesus, everything to do with Jesus, his death and his resurrection, and so on, 
when they believed those fundamental facts, the kingdom and the name, then they were ready to be baptized. Now, you may possibly be wondering about that word name. Now, in the Bible, the word name is much more than just the letters which form the name by which we call ourselves. The name of someone reveals their whole personality, everything in this case that is revealed through Jesus. It's almost a synonym for the gospel itself. The name of Jesus Christ means everything that Jesus stood for, everything that was revealed from his Father through him. And so it's a much more widely encompassing term than what we hear by the word name in English. Many people realize they have to pray in the name of Jesus, but they don't understand that that means much more than just reciting his name. People sometimes wonder why they don't have their prayers answered, perhaps as they might, and it possibly could be because they haven't understood what is involved in that word name. Everything in the New Testament was performed by the apostles in the name of Jesus Christ. Now that means that they were representing him, and if they were representing him, it must imply that they understood what he stood for. They understood his teaching, and they were relaying the very same teaching, namely the gospel of the kingdom of God, just as Jesus had taught them. Now, this is a most simple idea and helpful idea to get hold of. Throughout the New Testament, there is one gospel, one message which originated with the teaching of Jesus himself. Jesus was the instigator and the originator of the gospel of the kingdom of God, as all our records tell us. Open the Bible, for instance, to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and you'll find there that Jesus' first command to the people, the first thing he urged them to do, as he urges us to do today, is to believe in the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus' actual words are these, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. There you have it, Jesus' first command. Have we intelligently complied with that first commandment of Jesus? You know, if you ask people generally what the most important commandment of Jesus is, they will say, it's the commandment of love, to love God and to love our neighbor. And of course, that's absolutely correct. But the commandments of Jesus are a little bit more focused than sometimes we think. So think of the first commandment of Jesus as the one that he gave chronologically first, at the beginning of his ministry. The whole underlying thrust of his ministry is based on this first commandment of Jesus, namely repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom, as we find in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And you remember in the early chapters of John's gospel, in John 3, at the beginning of that chapter, Jesus got into conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus, and Jesus immediately turned the conversation towards the kingdom of God. And he said, unless you're born again, that's to say, unless you repent and turn round and start over and orientate yourself towards the kingdom of God, you won't enter the kingdom of God when it comes. It's important to remember that entrance into the kingdom of God is not something you can do now. It's something that happens at the second coming. You can prepare now by repenting and orientating your life towards that goal, but entrance into the kingdom of God is something that mainly happens at the second coming. I remind you of 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50, where Paul says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And inheriting the kingdom of God in the teaching of Jesus is exactly the same as entering the kingdom of God. You cannot inherit or enter the kingdom of God while you're in the present condition of flesh and blood. To be flesh and blood means to be a human being. So in the present constitution, which we enjoy as human beings, we are not yet spirit. We are flesh and blood. 
but we're going to be transformed and given a spiritual body, as Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, that's not an invisible blob of amorphous nothing. A body that is spiritual is still material and tangible and palpable. You remember that Jesus came back from the dead and he said, Touch me. He said, It's me, myself. It's not an apparition, an appearance of me, but it's me, myself, the risen Jesus. And he was still corporeal and material and palpable, but nevertheless driven by spirit. At the moment, we are only partially driven by spirit. We have a portion of the Holy Spirit if we've been believing in the teachings of Jesus and have been baptized into his name and so on. And the Holy Spirit is given to us as a down payment, as a guarantee of a much greater amount of spirit which will be given to us at the resurrection. So 1 Corinthians 15.50 should be a memory verse for all Christians. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul went on to talk about a mystery, that's to say, a divinely revealed secret, that we shall not all sleep in the sleep of death, but we shall all be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, at the seventh trumpet. And when that seventh trumpet blows, the dead will be raised, and those of us who are surviving as Christians until that day will be transformed along with them. And as you remember in 1 Thessalonians 4, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air as the Lord descends to Jerusalem to take over rulership in the kingdom of God, which will be based on its headquarters there in Jerusalem with the restored Davidic throne as all the prophets of Israel have prophesied. And so it's important then to get hold of the basic idea of what it means to be born again. To be born again is really the same thing, in other words, as what Jesus said when he commanded the people to repent and believe in the kingdom of God. Those are two different ways of getting at the same issue, the same problem. To be born again is to have a brand new start. To repent is to have a brand new start in life. And it's a new start with a new goal, a new horizon, a new objective. Remember that Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other blessings will be added to you. Those of us who've had the opportunity to try Jesus out on that wonderful statement have found that he was indeed telling the absolute truth. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make the kingdom of God your first priority in life. And all of these secondary things, food and clothing and shelter, and enough to keep life going, will be added to us. So it's quite clear then that the kingdom of God is the basis and the heart of everything that Jesus taught. And that's an obvious fact. If we begin not only in Mark, which we've just been discussing, and in John 3, where he speaks of entering the kingdom of God and seeing the kingdom of God, but also in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 17 and verse 23, where we find that Jesus' ministry is summed up by the statement that he went everywhere healing the sick and preaching the gospel about the kingdom. And then right at the end of Matthew, in Matthew 24, verse 14, it is this same gospel of the kingdom which must be preached in all the world before the end of the age comes. Now, that's parallel, of course, to the statement in Luke 16, verse 16, which states that from the time of John the Baptist onwards, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached. So John then inaugurated a new era of preaching. He preached exactly the same gospel as Jesus, namely the gospel about the kingdom of God. From the time of John the Baptist, Luke 16, 16 says, right through the ministry of Jesus, right through the ministry of the apostles, and right until the end of the age, the same gospel of the kingdom is to be preached. Now, a very strange theory has arisen in some circles in America 
which causes an enormous amount of confusion in regard to this simple matter of the gospel and its content. There are some who have said that the gospel of the kingdom was only preached by Jesus and only meant to be preached by Jesus to Jewish people. And they then say that after the death and resurrection of Jesus, what they call another form of the gospel was preached, namely the gospel of the grace of God. And then according to this theory, to which I don't subscribe at all, they say that after the pre-tribulation rapture, and that's another rather questionable matter, after that future rapture, they say, during the tribulation, the gospel of the kingdom will once more be preached to Jewish people. Now that divides the kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom into two. It says that the gospel of the kingdom was preached by Jesus during his ministry on earth and will be preached during the tribulation after the church has been raptured. Now that theory needs to be examined most carefully. I want to suggest to you that it really is not based squarely on any text of scripture at all. It's imagined on the basis of certain implications, but it is not true to the facts as we have them in the New Testament. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, that's quite obvious, but Paul preached the gospel of the kingdom just as much as Jesus did. You can find that for certain in Acts 20, verses 24 and 25. That's all we have time for for today. We're going to take up this issue again of exactly what the gospel is and how Jesus and Paul preached the same gospel. We'll be dealing with that in our next program. Call us for some free literature for your personal study at home. Join us again as we continue to deal with these basic topics about life and immortality as Jesus offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.